Hey, yo, welcome back. As we continue through the Bible on this journey, we are currently walking into the book of Joel, which is a minor prophet book, but it is impactful. This is a smaller book. The The minor prophets are only called minor prophets because their books are shorter than the major prophets. And they are packed full of God's word for what is to come in the time, in current time and culture of what was going on around them in the biblical time they were speaking in, as well as the future coming time of our Lord and Savior in the return of Jesus and the restoration of the millennial kingdom that is still yet to come. And in Joel, there is a huge parallel between the seven years of tribulation that are coming and the calamity of the national calamity. That, that come, the, the locusts, the droughts, the destruction, and the emphasis ends up being on God's glorious coming kingdom, the hope that is found after, and the importance of clinging to God and not wavering and standing firm in faith, no matter how crazy the world around us gets, because we know that this is temporary. And as we walk into the book of Joel, the, the name Joel means the Lord is God. And no matter what, we can trust that the Lord is God. He is on the throne. And if we put our faith and trust in him, he will hold us through. He will carry us through no matter what is to come. He has us. We do not have to be fearful because we have God. And the only thing that we should be afraid of is anything that could separate us from God. We need to cling to God with all our guts. And in the first chapter, there's a plague that's going to come of of locusts. And there were four different types of locusts. And when one kind would would move on in anything that the first locust missed, the next kind of locust that came in would, would get more. And then finally, the fourth locust that comes is complete devastation. And there's going to be four nations that will come and destroy Israel. And it, we know that... Or, Israel was taken over by Assyria, but the southern territory of Judah is taken over by Babylon. And then the Medo-Persia nation comes in and then Greece. And then there's a fourth occurrence that is yet to come that, that we don't know. And it's still coming. And the the end times are still coming and the nations will join together and fight against Israel and against God's people, against those who stand firm in faith in the name, like I said, it means the Lord is God. And no matter what happens, we can cling to God and know that he has us. And whenever people in that, the prophets that God sent in the biblical times, they were sent to warn the people when they were getting off track and veering off God's path, they were commissioned to call the people back to worship the one and only true living God. And it was the responsibility of the prophets to call the people back to the Lord whenever they were shifting gears from following God's law and God's word. And the natural disasters affect the national and global economies, and they still do today. But how many people turn and say, what is God saying to us in response? Or what is he trying to show us? What is he trying to teach us? And Joel writes this book so that people would know that God was speaking to them through this critical event, through these catastrophes that were happening, God was trying to speak to them. And God wanted them to hear his voice and listen. And he would announce the day of the Lord and is is come and it will be applied to three different things. 
throughout the book, the plague of locusts, the future invasions of the Assyrians, and the coming future judgment of the Lord that he would send on the earth, the final judgment. And we're going to look at all three of those aspects as we walk through the book of Joel together. Joel was also a realist who looked at life from a standpoint of the word of the Lord, and he addressed himself to the groups of the citizens, and he would he would give them the words that the Lord gave him to speak, and he was obedient in doing what God asked him to do. And with that, we will start in chapter 1, verse 1. The Lord gave this message to Joel, son of Pethuel. Hear this, you leaders of the people. Listen, all who live in the land. In all your history, has anything like this happened before? Tell your children about it in years to come, and let your children tell their children. Pass the story down from generation to generation. After the cutting locusts finished eating the crops, the swarming locusts took what was left. After them came the hopping locusts, and then the stripping locusts, too. So all four locusts come, and they completely devastate the land. And he's addressing the, the, the older, the elderly men first, because they have long experience and they could, they could agree with what he was saying. They could say, yeah, this has never happened before. And they're respected by the fellow citizens in the land. And the plague is spoken of in four different stages of these life cycles of the, the locusts, the cutting and the swarming and the hopping and the stripping. And it, there's a successive swarm of locusts that invade the land. And like we said, each swarm destroys what the others left behind. So eventually everything is completely devastated and destroyed and there's nothing left. In verse five, wake up, you drunkards and weep. Wail, all you wine drinkers, all the grapes are ruined and all your sweet wine is gone. A vast army of locusts has invaded my land, a terrible army too numerous to count. Its teeth are like lion's teeth, its fangs are like those of a lioness. It has destroyed my grapevines and ruined my fig trees, stripping their bark and destroying it, leaving the branches white and bare. So he speaks of drunkenness here and there's tons of sins Drunkenness is just one, but the drunkenness represents basically carelessness and all the carelessness of the people in the land who are only interested in their own selfish and sinful pleasures rather than what God is, is speaking to them and asking them to do. And, and rather than repenting and clinging to God and turning from their ways and choosing to worship God instead. And he he says, my, as he speaks, of the land and it is God's land. And when he says, this is my land, it is God's land and how we steward God's land matters, how we take care of the earth, the animals, creation, it all belongs to God. And, and we should honor God in how we treat and respect the creation that he made around us. In verse eight, we'll continue. Weep like a bride dressed in black, mourning the death of her husband, for there is no grain or wine to offer at the temple of the Lord. So the priests are in mourning, the ministers of the Lord are weeping, the fields are ruined, the land is stripped bare, the grain is destroyed, the grapes have shriveled, and the olive oil is gone. Despair, all you farmers, wail, all you vine growers. Weep because the wheat and barley, all the crops of the field, they're all ruined. The grapevines have dried up and the fig trees have withered. The pomegranate trees, palm trees, and apple trees, all the fruit trees have dried up. And the people's joy has dried up with them. 
So he's saying, because of all the devastation, the locusts have eaten the land, and because of this, the the, the priests, the ministers, the farmers, the fruit bearers, the, everything is dried up, and they're all weeping. They're sad. They're sorrowful. And all people can do in response is, is express their grief. And with that, we'll continue in verse 13. Dress yourselves in burlap and weep, you priests. Wail, you who serve before the altar. Come spend the night in burlap, you ministers of my God. For there is no grain or wine to offer at the temple of your God. Announce a time of fasting. Call the people together for a solemn meeting. Bring the leaders and all the people of the land into the temple of the Lord your God and cry out to him there. The day of the Lord is near, the day when destruction comes from the Almighty. How terrible that day will be. Our food disappears before our eyes. No joyful celebrations are held in the house of our God. The seeds die in the parched ground, and the grain crops fail. The barns stand empty, and the granaries are abandoned. How the animals groan with hunger. The herds of the cattle wander about confused because they have no pasture. The flocks of sheep and goats bleat in misery. Lord, help us. The fire has consumed the wilderness pastures, and the flames had burned up all the trees. Even the wild animals cry out to you because the streams have dried up, and fire has consumed the wilderness pastures. So here... We have all these warnings, what's going on all around them, and it should have called them to repentance. And this is also a picture of what's coming, God's judgment, God's future judgment. And it's going to be even worse than this. And the results of the plague leaves devastation and and emptiness. And even the earth cries out. Creation is crying out to God. And it's kind of, I feel like it's like that today. Like the earth is just crying out for Jesus to return and, and come back in, in devastation to how all of the sinful people of the world have, have destroyed the land that God created. And it's still beautiful. There's still, God replenishes, God restores, but I've, it feels like there's an ache and there's earthquakes happening more and more and there's devastation and the animals are just, you can, it feels like they're just crying out to God for Jesus to return. And the people were in need, but so was the temple. God's temple was being left desolate. There was sin and idolatry and witchcraft and evil going on right in the temple. And there wasn't proper sacrifice being brought for God. And there was no humility. There was no prayer. There was no sincere, heartfelt turn to God. In in response to the, the locusts, we have crying and weeping and grieving, but we don't see any repentance. They're they're crying out because of the devastation, but they're not changing their hearts yet. They're not repenting and turning. And it, they're just responding to the locusts and the devastation that the locusts brought. And the day of the Lord is judgment. And eventually there's going to be with a day when all of the nations are judged and God is the Lord of creation. And without his blessing, nature cannot produce what we need to sustain life and give us our day, our daily bread. Jesus told us how to pray. He gives us our needs. He gives us our provisions and we need to be grateful and thank him for his sustenance that he provides for us. Even when things around us are crazy, even when there's devastation and everywhere, even while the earth is crying out, right along with us for Jesus to return. And creation longs for the day when, when Jesus returns to earth and set it free from sin's shackles. The the sin that came into the earth, it affected 
the animals and the creation of earth as well as us in It's not enough for people to humble themselves in response to devastation. God wants our hearts. He wants intimacy. He wants relationship. He wants repentance. He wants us to turn from sin and run to his arms and say, Lord, if I am yours, my life is yours. And Joel here, he he doesn't ask anything of God here. He's just being honest with the Lord and expressing the suffering that is going on. And he knows that God will do what is right. And we oftentimes we drift along from day to day and we take blessings for granted. Everything that we have in our life is a blessing for God. And we need to give him that gratitude in response and that worship in response. And people are not doing that. So God brings this natural disaster and takes it all away, reminding the people, which it should have brought them to repentance, that God is in control. God is on the throne and we are dependent on God. And the artificial civilization, the 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 faking it and the pretending and that we're okay and the pretension and the religious acts that we do without any heart or sincerity. God doesn't want any of that. He wants relationship. He wants intimacy. He wants us to desire to spend time with him in his word. He wants us to to talk to him and to be honest with him. In he 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 wanted people to see that he was God and that he is God. And he is the same yesterday, today, and he'll be the same tomorrow. He does not change. And he wants us to trust him. He wants us to worship him. He wants us to be in relationship with him. He wants us to be honest with him. He wants us to be humble. He wants us to let him lead and guide. He has been in our tomorrows. We can trust him. He knows what's going on. He knows what's best for us. He wants the best for us. He wants to pour out blessings in our lives. Even in the sinful world, he wants the best that we can have while we are on earth, in the earth. He wants to pour out heaven onto earth for us. It's not going to be easy. It doesn't mean earth is going to be perfect. And it doesn't mean that we're perfect because this is a sinful world that we live in and we live among sinners. But he wants to be with us, walking right next to us through it all. He wants to help carry the load, lighten the burden, give us comfort, give us peace, give us strength. He wants to be a part of fighting our battles. He wants to fight our battles for us. He wants us to let him. He wants us to submit to him and let him be the leader and the guide of our entire life for every moment. So that concludes our very first chapter of the book of Joel. I hope you all are having a most wonderful day.